Welcome back to the Everyday Hair Colorist. Today's guest is dialing in from New York City. It's Jennifer McDougall. Hi, Jen. Hello. A Canadian living in New York. Yeah, every girl's dream living in New York City. Oh, it's a great city, isn't it? That's for sure. So, Jen, I mean, you have this long list of accolades that's absolutely phenomenal. On-camera beauty influencer, you're, you're on Project Runway as a key stylist, um, you're a Naha winner, hair colour Naha winner, you've got over 20 years experience educating, I mean, the list goes on and there's more in there too. Um, you're an international artist for a brand, I mean, it's massive. How did it all start for you? Where, where did you learn that hair was your passion and what was the beginning of your career like? Well, I think it all started when I was preteen. I used to give a lot of uh, suggestions, consultations to classmates on their hair, what they should do, whether they wanted it or not. And a lot of them really loved it, actually. And some of them would bring me along to their hairstylist. And when they'd be getting a new change, I would be there as their consult person at the age of probably like 12, 13, 14. Can you imagine? The hairstylist must have been like, who is this girl right now? <laughs> Get that girl out of here. I know. But you know what? I had a vision. And uh, even though I didn't know how to physically do it, I had a vision of what I thought would look great. And it always did. But yes, I'm sure I would be a big pest to any hairstylist. But... <laughs> <laughs> But hey, look where I came to, you know, look where I ended up. So obviously I knew what I liked. So from there, how did you make the leap into, did you have to go to beauty school or in Canada? Was it assisting? How does, how does it work? Yeah. So all of those things. I first went to university for a year because I thought that's what you were supposed to do, even though I had zero direction and I was just in there doing general studies and didn't have a clue what I really wanted to do, but did it just because everybody thought that's what you should do and it's not that smart to do hairstyling. So um, after a year of that, I figured out that that was not for me and I decided, um, actually, I went and was a hairstylist model, which again wasn't planned. There was a big event launching a new color brand and they were looking for models in the paper, no internet back then. Well, internet, but you know, no <laughs> social media. So it was in the paper. Yeah. I, I went with a cousin of mine with no intentions to be one of the models, she wanted to do it, and they chose me. And I um, had the new haircut from Courtney on Friends, and like the shag, and they colored my hair like this bright purple color. And I had just broken up with a boyfriend, I was like 17 or 18 years old, and I felt so good. The hairstylist made me feel amazing. And I realized this is a whole different world that I'd never seen before, hair shows and photo shoots and all of these fun things. So I was like, well, if I could do something like this and that's here where I live, I would be in. So I did. I, I quit the university. I didn't go back for the next semester and enrolled into beauty school. It's funny, isn't it? Because so many people on this podcast have said that their parents didn't want them to be, wanted them to go to university or they had to go to college. And they, you know, mm -hmm. the parents were like, no, hairdressing, it's not the done thing. Yet so many of us have had such fruitful, successful careers from it. <laughs> well, funny enough, everybody wanted me to go, which made me feel like they thought I was dumb and couldn't do anything better. <laughs> they were all like, no, 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 you should do hairstyling. And I was like, do you think I can't do anything else? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Clearly it was meant to be. They could see the vision that I had. Yeah, and then so, in school... Can I ask yeah, you, Jen? Of sorry. The Canadian system, so in the UK it's um, apprenticeships and you go to college. The American system is 
very much where you go to beauty school and you do your 1500 or your 2500 hours or whatever. Is it what's what's the system in Canada? Is it beauty school only? Um, It's different for each province. So the province that I was in, I believe it was 1800 hours were offered, but you had to have 1500 to graduate. So you could skip some. I graduated with more hours than they even offered somehow because I was like a total like geek. I was there all the time. Yeah, I was there all the time. And it ended up being great. And at the same time that I was going to school, I uh, also assisted at three salons that were really great salons. And then I ended up assisting at the best one afterwards full time. So I had to leave the other ones. And that's where I ended up doing my entire career until I moved to New York. And what was it like for you going into the salon then when you first started out after you left beauty school? Uh, Well, lots of perms back then. So there was lots of assisting and rinsing perms, doing lots of glosses, cap, highlights. Oh, my God. Yeah, I had to rinse all of those and tone them. I was assisting. I did that for, I would guess, a good six months after school. It could have been longer. It could have been a bit shorter. And then I was allowed to take some clients on certain days, certain hours, and, you know, how it all goes. You get busier, and then there's less assisting to no assisting. Absolutely. So you threw yourself into that. I did. I did. Worked like a slave, but I loved it. I enjoyed it. It was a passion for me. From Canada to New York City. Now, how did that all sit? So Naha comes into it. You must have, I think when I met you back in a long time ago, 1999 or before that. Had you won Naha then? I believe the year that I won was 1999 and 2000, two years in a row for Colorist. I believe that was the two years. That's an amazing one to win, isn't it? It's massive. Yeah, and it really opened a lot of doors because it gave me a lot of exposure. And again, I was living in Canada at the time, so I was doing some work for a color brand, you know, helping out on a smaller level as a junior level. And once that happened, the U.S., of course, were really interested in me. So I started doing some classes in the U.S. as well. So I would be living in Canada, traveling in the U.S., doing hair shows all across there and and still working in the salon in Canada. And for you, what did it feel like to make the leap from salon to education? Because it's a it's a tricky one to navigate sometimes, isn't it? Because it's different. Yeah, well, I didn't jump into it like one big step. In the beginning, I started working. The job was like, they called it, I think, technical consultant. And what I would do was I would go into schools and help the students to learn product knowledge. Like, you know, great informative classes, but more on a basic starting level. And I would just go across the province and teach those classes. And if bigger hairstylists that were more known came into town, like someone like yourself or, you know, I would help them behind the scenes. So I grew into the role that I um, had as traveling to the U.S., but it did kind of come a little quicker as well. And do you think that was, do you think that part of that was winning a competition, such a prestigious one as well, winning it twice? Yeah, it really did help because it uh, was great for branding. You know, who doesn't want to have that title linked to a class or linked to a brand? It drives, it, it drives a lot of attention to that and people want to know what's up. So it definitely helped me to be able to leap and go have that opportunity. 
That's funny that you, do you think that you saw, see branding, you saw branding then as you do now, or do you think that is a reflection on looking back at it? Or did you see the importance of branding back then? Because it wasn't a big word, was it then? No, you're right. You're right. I think that I did see it. Maybe I didn't use branding, but I saw it as an opportunity. And now that you mentioned that to me, I remember meeting a, a gentleman, a hairstylist, probably like maybe the year that I won Naha and was doing a class somewhere, a big event. And he came up to me and he said, I won whatever, three, four, five, six years ago. And he said, I didn't take action like you did. I didn't meet up with brands. So he just won the award, which was great and got some exposure, but then didn't know what to do. And he didn't know how to reach out to brands. And that's part of it. Sometimes they'll knock on your door or phone you and a lot of times, 95% of the times, it's also us pitching ourselves, right? And, and, yes. and having those great relationships. Sure, you can win a trophy or you can do a great job, but if you're not easy to work with and you're not somebody who follows up on your work, I mean, you know all these things, it's not going to be very helpful and the relationship won't grow. It's so true. But, you know, it's so funny because um, Thomas, who produces this podcast, and I always laugh because our American guests are so savvy on all of this stuff you know and I think that for me personally it was my American experience that taught me how to promote yourself yeah which is what social media is isn't it really absolutely so you moved to New York City so you make the leap and move to New York City what was that like for you in in a city on your own how did that feel ah well Besides exciting. Uh, Yeah, it was very exciting. And it was a move that I wanted to do for a long time. And I really wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do it based on the fact that I really didn't have a job when I was going to be coming here. I knew I would get some work with with the brand I was doing a lot of work with, but not an official employment documentation. So it was a risk. But I also knew that I'm a hard worker and that if it got down to it, which I didn't want to have to do this, I would have cut hair for people on the street. You know what I'm saying? But Because once you have that skill, you know you can always get work if you're eager. Yeah, and you can put food in your mouth. Yeah, I knew that was like the least thing that I wanted to do, but just saying that's what I wanted to do to make it work. So when I got here, it was uh, great. There was pro- times when I was a bit lonely, of course, because I didn't have my family and friends. But it was also very exciting. It was really like living the Sex and the City life, like dressing up, going out every night to an event, Upper East Side, Lower East Side, Soho, rooftop, you know, always going out and being at all these events, meeting all these great hairstylists. And that really helped me to connect with the community that I needed to connect with. People saw me as a breath of fresh air. I was always willing to go everywhere. And then, you know, I got offered different jobs. And that's actually how I got connected into Project Runway was just being out at an event, met an agent who books everybody for the team. And that's how that worked. One day somebody was sick on the show. And at 6 a.m. I got the call and I was on set and like 20 minutes later. And then they hired me and I continued to have a relationship with, the, with Project Runway. That's a great story, isn't it, really? Yeah. So don't be sick. You never know who's going to come in there and just steal it from you. Grab your role <laughs> from you. <laughs> so are you, are you based in a salon as well at the moment? Or are you, are you all now, have you just moved out of salon life 
generally? Yeah, so the way that visas worked, or which I understood that it worked when I moved here, because I have to have a work visa, was that I had to either choose salon life or choose uh, education editorial-ish type of world. And because I had a sponsorship in the beginning that was through an agency, that meant like a model. You could work for multiple people, but a salon would mean a separate visa. And I, that one, that was a little bit too complicated. And secondly, I thought I didn't want to be trying to build in both areas. That's just how I felt at the time. And it worked out for me because that way I had the opportunity to travel and do education and then still do some TV so no, I'm not in a salon. I do miss salon life, but I get to visit salons across the U.S. almost every single weekend. Yeah. So making that leap must have been quite difficult, really, making that decision, I would have thought. I would have been like, oh, I don't know, don't know what I want to do. Yeah, you know, it was hard. And when I was coming up with the idea of leaving... I thought that I would, after 17 years, would be like at the salon, bye girls, I'm out. But no, it didn't happen that way. Uh, the two, no. When I put my two weeks notice in, every time I would tell someone, I would cry, they would cry. I got so many cards and flowers. Like it just made me realize that, you know, it's, it's a special thing to have those relationships for so many years. Yeah. It wasn't as easy, yeah. even though I felt ready, it wasn't as easy to leave it all behind. No, it's a difficult one, isn't mm-hmm. it? I do think... My own personal experience on that one, it was like quite hard to make that, even though I wouldn't have it any other way when I look back at it. Yeah. So let's talk about Project Runway. What was, had you done any television work before then? I had done some shows in Canada, some makeovers where I wasn't on the show all the time, but I would do like a guest spot from time to time. And I helped out with some finales of Project Runway where they needed multiple hairstylists doing the big New York fashion show, but was behind the scenes type of thing. So, yeah, I think that was the first more bigger one that I was part of the series. And what do you think was the lesson that you learned in doing TV work compared to salon work, as in the hair? Because it's different, isn't it? Yeah, it's very different. So there's a lot of lessons. One, I learned to really be able to make things happen that if I was in the salon, I would probably say, oh, we can't do that today. Or, there, you know, we don't have what we need to do these things. I, I built a different kit. So I had a lot more tools that were ready yeah. to make things happen. And also, you know... In the salon, we have control pretty much. The client suggests what they want to get and they ask, but we can say yes or no or modify, right? But when you're working on set, it's often the producer or one of the designers that's telling you you need to make it happen and that's it, the end. So if some model who has curly short hair needs to have a long ponytail and bangs in 25 minutes that needs to happen like the end so you just need to make it, <laughs> you just need to make it work so i've learned to make it work moments because this hair just needs to walk down the runway and walk back and not fall off the girl's head or look good and i've learned to relax certain things and learn to be creative and know that we're creating an image just for this short amount of time And that's, you know, something that opened up my eyes to other things and helped me when I go back and educate in salons now with styling. Right. I've shared with them these little tips. I'm like, oh, no, no, you could tell them you could do it this way. And if it's just for an evening, this is great. 
And they've learned a lot from these things. That's brilliant, isn't it? The top lip can be sweating like mad, I suppose, if they were demanding that you do something. You're like, how the hell do I do that? Yeah, but, you know, then we're all into it. We're like, okay, how can we make this happen? It just makes it like a fun challenge. And sometimes it didn't work. And we'd see it come down the runway and we'd cringe as well because we were like kind of in a competition for time as well. We would get maximum 30 minutes per person and we weren't allowed to go over even if they weren't done because it wasn't fair to the other competitors that somebody got more time so nobody really knows that but the girls would be pulled from us and we'd be running trying to stick another bobby pin or or like glue something (laughs) like (laughs) how many seasons did you do that i did six seasons six seasons Mm -hmm. that's pretty intense yeah and also i worked on project runway junior and Project Runway All-Stars or spin-offs. And then there was one time we did Project Runway Fashion Inc. or Fashion Something, but that only did one season. So yeah, there was multiple different shows that came from that. Wow. And that was all from being at a party, meeting meeting a producer, socializing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's where it led to. Opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. Right. He never ever hired me for anything, even though I slightly pitched myself that night but in a pinch when he needed somebody he called on me that's it be ready yes be willing that's so cool so jen how did you become this this is amazing your story is really amazing it's really really interesting to me too because you've taken you've just run with something um online beauty influencer with jockey how did that happen that's a good question so i really loved teaching and i loved educating and i loved consulting with clients so i think in the beginning it started with just building my confidence and to being able to communicate what i wanted with my clients and other clients would see that that didn't go to me and then they wanted to come with me so i always felt like i was able to um give a good consultation and have a great communication skills with people so we moved on from that And then I did the Project Runway show. So I did get a little bit of on-camera time from time to time. So you mentioned about Jockey. So um, a few years ago, I was asked to do a, um, like, there's many different shopping channels here in the U.S. And there was a flat iron, like a styling tool, that was looking for a spokesperson. So I presented myself as one of the people to be a candidate and they met with me. They really liked me. I had to audition to be, um, so, you know, the brand can like you, but then the show needs to like you as well and approve you and train you if they want you. So everything went good there. And I did that for, I think a year. And it was this really great flat iron that, um, had like a heat protection serum inside that would protect your hair as you used it. So um, I got to get a lot of experience and training during that process. Then I started, I filled in for someone else who was going on a surgery for a big brand that um, was also a little bit different because it was shampoos, conditioners, but it was also body creams. And, you know, as hairstylists, we're always recommending things. Some people even have boutiques in their spaces where they sell all sorts of different things, right? So even though... Yes, I looked at myself as a hairstylist. There's other things we sell. We sell like places to go for dinner, even though we don't get any commission off of it. We talk about places and promote and recommend all the time. So yeah, I started doing that then for another brand that was in Florida. The show was in Florida. We were doing one hour shows and I got a different training from another one. And then when I went to the QVC, 
I approached QVC and, and asked to be on their roster of like people that could be a guest if a vendor, a brand was looking for someone. So they said to me, you know, yes, you do great with beauty. Would you like to put a second category just in case like somebody needs somebody in another category? I'm like, well, what other category? They're like gardening, cooking. I'm like, mm, uh, they're like styling. Um, <laughs> I'm like, oh, fashion. Sure. I could do fashion, especially QVC fashion. And I didn't think anything of it. I put it down for QVC fashion, and but still thought I would get more of beauty. And Jockey was the first one. And uh, it worked out great. They're such an amazing brand. And I love working with them. And it's been fabulous. They just renewed me for another year. And I love working with them. Hey, congratulations. Thank That's you. amazing though, isn't it? That's amazing that you, from hair to, and to, to look at it, and be able to say, well, look, I recommend mm-hmm. things all the time. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I do that for something yes. that I like, that I love? Now, what was the what was the learning curve on presenting on TV compared to presenting in a classroom? Well, I think that presenting in a classroom really built up all of those skills that once I actually went to do Mm. it for TV, I had done a lot of videos and a lot of different things uh, for beauty brands and I've learned camera positions and I've learned looking in the camera and confidence. So I felt like I had a lot of that experience, but then it changed because then there was multiple cameras and then there was, you know, the little headset in your ear with a producer speaking to you at the same time that you're speaking and looking in the camera. So there was, uh, (laughs) there's a lot of practice that comes with that and, you know, it's interesting and I love it and it's live TV. So it's fun. Yes, which is the hardest. It is the hardest, but you know what? It's just like real life. It's just like, if you just forget about it and don't think about presenting, really we're just sharing a great thing and we're having fun and we're just letting you know what we have and how we feel it would fit into your lifestyle. Which is what we do as hairdressing educators anyway, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But to be able to have navigated that into successful sponsorships with different products is absolutely fascinating to yeah me. no I love it I'm very happy and I've been able to work a little bit now from home even during this pandemic that we're in right now because with everything with webinars and all of that I've been skyping into the show so I'm not physically there but like everybody else and all the tv shows you see people uh, skyping in or calling in through video conferences so I've been able to do that at a few times from home which has been really great yeah cool to keep it keep it all moving really So the whole influencer thing, Jen, that came along in like 2010, 2011, 12, as it started as moving along, you, you've been able to straddle that role, haven't you, from educator, presenter, into helping people understand how to be on camera, be a, help them people to be better in their roles digitally. I mean, I saw something you did yesterday and you did all the different filters and what it made you look like in your stories. And it was just a great story. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I was like, obviously I even tried one, which didn't look so great on me. But it was like you were just showing people things that they could do. Do you think that's something that's natural to you or is it something that's just developed? I think it's something natural. I definitely think it's natural. and But I also feel like because I've been around so many people that do similar things and the training I've had, 
I've learned some things to know how to explain it better, to know how people will read it, you know, and how they'll be able to absorb the information. And it's funny because I was a little bit bored last night and had a glass of wine out on the terrace and New York's crazy right now. And I just uh, got on there and started doing those filters. And it was one of my probably one of my biggest engagements, people messaging me back saying, I downloaded those filters. They were taking pictures and sending it to me. They said, some were saying like they couldn't find where they were. And I was like, rewatch it. I actually point to it. But you know, they're so excited, just like, you know, enamored by my beauty in these filters. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it was fun. I had fun doing that. But that's just about what it is. It's about sharing what it is, how do you use it? Where can they get it? What's it for? And making it fun and light. That's the, the circle yeah. of information. It's not that hard. No, it's not. But people make it really difficult, don't they? Because part of it is that you've got to, sh- you've got to impart the information that you have. It has to be digestible and it has to be honest, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And if you get too serious, it's not fun anymore. No. Gotta no, keep it not light. At all. <laughs> So going into salons, you're doing your in-salon trainings are helping people navigate um, social. They're helping people uh, put together new menus. What are you doing with all that kind of stuff? Well, um, I created a class a couple of years ago and it's evolved called the Beauty Social. And that was really helping salons to some were doing great with their social media and some felt they didn't have time. But I was just sharing with them like how you can show off who you are and how you can make sure that people understand what you can do for them and how are you different and how you can connect. So I've been sharing those things and helping them plan their feeds. And that's been going great. Um, now we're in a position where there's a lot of digital consultations. Yes. So um, that's a new thing that I'm helping or how they can stay connected with their clients or their guests still through social media, Zoom, like all of these things that are out there because Again, some people have played around with these things and then there's others that don't even know how to do certain things in their phone at all. So I walk them through the baby steps if that's where they need to go. And I've shared a lot too on how to even, like if they're an educator, how to do digital learning and education. So, you know, showing the the item that they have and into the camera and which way is best to um, turn the item and how to use it and just all those little things that are helpful, especially in today's world, which is going to be our new reality. Well, it is the new reality, isn't it? But isn't that ironic that you've virtually come sort of like around in a circle with that because now you're this, you're, all your TV work has actually set you up so well for the future. Yeah, I mean, I still have tons to learn as well. And that's why I jump on um, other webinars that I see because I do something one way, but then I learn every time I watch somebody else on what's working great and maybe some things that don't work so great that perhaps I also did. So, you know, we're all going to be so much better after 2020 is over. I'm sure there's so many people that it was their first time ever doing an Instagram story or a Zoom or house party or any of these fun apps that are out there. So I think we're just going to be so much stronger digitally. We look at ourselves next year. We're not going to believe how far we've came. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. And I've I've said on quite a few of the webs that I've jumped on, on the Instagram lives and stuff, I've said to people, you know, this is an opportunity for you to learn in, in these 
these times. It's like, mm -hmm. if you haven't done it before, pick it up, ask your friends what they think of what you're producing. You don't have to post it, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, but make the start because this is where the future lies, doesn't it? It really does. Now, I've also noticed you're on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> along with me. <laughs> I don't know if I follow you. I'm going to have to follow you back if I don't. Oh, you know, mine's terrible. I haven't done it. What's your favorite thing on TikTok? To watch or to do? To do. To do. Um, I like some of the videos where you, like, there was one I changed all the colors of my clothes. Yeah. And that actually had a lot of engagement for me. People were writing me saying, you should do more fashion things. Like, they liked this, the way that I was changing the clothes. And I was like, that's not even something that I really, I mean, I might post a photo of me wearing something once in a while, but I was like, okay, interesting. Maybe th that's clearly something people wanted. I got a lot of messages about it saying do more. And I like the fact that it's more relaxed and you can be fun. You can just play with these trendy videos. You don't have to even think what content am I creating? You can actually copy someone else's content and it's okay. Like that's a trend over there. Yeah. And that's what I like about TikTok. You can be silly and it, it's, it's just fun to watch. It is fun to watch, but do you think it has any education value in it? I, that's the bit I struggle with. Yeah, like I haven't tried to do those things yet, but here's what I think. Here's what I think. So if you see someone on TikTok that looks interesting and fun and you start watching some of their content because maybe they've shared something light with you and then all of a sudden you look and on their Instagram, they have a platform that has a podcast. Jack has a podcast. He has classes and that's something you might want. You've now really learned to like this guy because of all the other things that he's doing. So yes, I do think you could do education and I think that that could be part of the brand if that's what you wanted, but it can also be the hook to get people to see who you are, the fun part of you, and then bring them into the other parts of your platform. You know, you just made it all sense to me. That just mm -hmm. suddenly made sense to me. I've been struggling with this for months now. And the way you just explained that, you just made it for me. Thank you so much for that. Well, good. Let me give you an example of that. So my one of my first TikTok videos that I actually reposted on Instagram, if I go back into the settings and look at like the engagement, I want to say I probably have, I don't know, I think almost a 500 people saved the video, maybe more. And I had like 72 people follow me based on that one video. Right. So, I, I mean, all I did was have crazy clothes on and glasses and went like this and my clothes changed and then I had something cute on and my hair was done it was just fun it had nothing to do with my work and that added a lot of value to people because they just felt I was relatable so you know it's just throwing out different things that's what worked for me I still don't have a lot of followers on TikTok don't get me wrong I'm not saying I'm a master but I can share with you some of the things that I found interesting that worked you certainly just did that was fantastic Good. So have some fun on there. Oh, my God. Can you imagine me doing a TikTok dance? It'd be hysterical. <laughs> now, I, I want to ask you what you don't have to tell us, obviously, mm -hmm. but what does the future hold for you, Jen? What, what have you got a goal that you can share with us for the future? Well, I mean, that's a big question because our future is so, um, so different right now. So uncertain. I definitely feel like there's going to be a lot more digital. So I'm going to put more focus into that part of it. 
And I love all of the on-camera work that I'm doing with the relationship with Jockey. I'm, I'm going to continue to put a lot of focus into that. I want to help salons grow as much as I can through this challenging, difficult time. Yeah. So I've really created a lot of great things to help them with their service pricing and their digital consultations. And as I start to see them go back and, and realize other challenges they have, I'll adapt and make things work best that I can for them. So that's the biggest part of what I see in the next short-term future. So amazing. What's your Instagram, Jen, just for the audience? Yeah, it's my name. So it's Jennifer and then last name MacDougall, M-A-C-D-O-U-G-A-L-L. It's fabulous. So if you want some help with any of this, you can always reach out to Jen. She's there for all of us. She's helped me today, that's for sure. I want to thank you so much for coming on today. That was just great chat. And congratulations on an amazing career that you've had so far, darling. I appreciate you and I miss you and I hope that we get to hang out soon and I promise you I'll have some really cute high heel shoes on. (laughs) That's a private (laughs) joke, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) So I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did making it for you. Don't forget to subscribe on your channel that you download your podcasts from. iTunes is my favorite, but I know there are others out there. And also, if you want to follow me on stories on Instagram, it's Jack Howard Color, C-O-L-O-R, the American way, not the English way. And on Facebook, it's Jack Howard Color, C-O-L-O-R. And my website is www.jackhowardcolor, C-O-L-O-R.com. <laughs> <laughs>